0: Welcome to the BioInnovation Spotlight at LifeScience.org, where we shine a light on the next big thing. I'm your host, Dr. David Kirk, and I'll be talking to the people behind early-stage translational life science across Europe, whose innovative research today may be the blockbusters and game-changing technologies of tomorrow. This podcast is produced for LifeScience.org, a community where European life science CEOs, founders, and investors can connect, share, and engage with each other. Life Science Org members get exclusive early access to these episodes, as well as a network of their peers, weekly expert talks, and insightful sessions with other leaders in life science. Join the conversation at www.lifescienceorg.com. I'm joined this week by Cedric Bogart, co-founder and CEO of MyNeo, a Belgian company based in Ghent. MyNeo has developed a bioinformatic platform for identifying, exploring, and validating alterations leading to neoantigens on cell surfaces. These can be used in personalized immunotherapy and target discovery applications, as well as diagnosis and prognosis of patients. Cedric, before we talk about MyNeo, tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to found the company.
1: Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Myself, I'm a bioengineer from a background I majored into the medical genetics and after my studies I always worked a bit on the synergy domain between genetics analysis and cancer treatment so I always worked a bit on the interface of two, those two domains and then due to certain circumstances I came enrolled into a hospital where there was a clear need for uh, improving the efficacy of certain immunotherapies at certain patients and then together with, with Two entrepreneurs, I came involved into the idea of of doing a proof of concept study that then eventually became MyNeo effectively.
0: Okay, cool. So what is the big unmet need then you're trying to address with MyNeo?
1: Well, actually, you know, currently cancer is still a huge issue. Uh, Still half of the people will once in their lifetime get diagnosed with cancer and half of those will not reach five-year post-diagnosis. There's luckily is some change into that the immunotherapy field is rapidly booming the use of an immune system to actually eliminate cancer cells within a body is something that shows a lot of promise. Uh, I think now around 5-10 years ago, immune checkpoint inhibition therapy first got approved, which means you're actually lifting the block that the tumor puts on the immune system so that the immune system is actually becoming active again and actively repressing the tumor. So that's a good thing. It has shown very great promise. I think in melanomas, you have almost double response rates of this kind of immunotherapy versus a chemotherapy. You have uh, responses of patients with head and neck cancer, which usually before didn't have any treatment option at all. Um, You're even using it in a first-line treatment. So So it's a very promising kind of therapy. But still, sadly, it it only delivers benefits in around 13% of the patients. That means that still, although we have the knowledge that the immune system is capable of eliminating tumor cells, in most patients, it's not doing so. So there was a need to actually have new kinds of ways of addressing the immune system, of actively eliminating tumor cells with the immune system. And there's been... Significant developments in the past decades uh, in that domain. What they all try to do, and they all have one common goal, they try to actively make immune cells recognize the tumor and eliminate tumor cells. That's what they're all trying to do, and that's the common goal of all these kinds of therapies. Mm, yeah. The point is there when you're trying to induce immune cells to recognize the tumor, you need to be able to know what, what to induce the immune system against. You need to be able to find These tumor specific molecules on the surface of tumor cells that are capable of being recognized by the immune system and, as such, you need to train the immune system against these specific molecules and that these specific molecules are called neoantigens and these are surface molecules on the tumors and that's that's key there each tumor is different. So each tumor within each patient, doesn't matter even if it's two breast cancer patients, they have a completely different tumor. So they have a completely different set of target molecules on their surface. And that's a bit the key problem there. How can we, for each patient individually, train the immune system against these tumor-specific molecules? And how can we identify those molecules per patient?
0: And that brings us on to your solution. So your platform is designed to recognize neoantigens.
1: Exactly. When you're you're doing that, when you're boosting the immune system, you require multiple things to do. First, you require a complete analysis of the tumor within a patient. You need to find out what these specific neoantigen molecules are on the tumor surface, and you need to identify the state the immune system of a patient is in to be able to know which molecules the immune system of that particular patient will be able to respond against. And all these steps, they can actually be evaluated by taking a simple biopsy of a patient performing a sequencing methodology on it. So it's whole genome sequencing, the most extensive form of sequencing there is. And then performing some some deep learning algorithms on that to really identify which neoantigens are on the presence of on the surface of of these tumor cells. And the technology that we have, that's been trained over the past three years, it's been trained over 2.5 million data points uh, that we've gathered from our clinical collaborations. Uh, and we use a transformer-like neural network that leverages attention-spanning to predict what is the most relevant set of neoantigens of you know, the surface molecules, to be used in, in clinical vaccination therapeutics against the tumor. And the model, it's, it's been so innovative since it uses attention-spanning uh, mechanisms. So it's similar to what you're using uh, in, in, in language uh, processing neural networks. And as such, it effectively allows the, the algorithms to learn from what it's seen before to make better predictions in the future against datasets that, is, that it's never even seen before.
0: Are you training these sets yourself or is, are you letting them learn by themselves? Cause you mentioned deep learning. I know there's a yeah. bit of a difference between deep learning and machine learning, deep learning being the multi-layered version. Uh, it's the multi-layered
1: version. So we're letting the machine control itself, learn itself. Uh, because there's so many different features involved that it's impossible for us to control it. Mm. Uh, we do obviously, because it's used in the clinic, we do need to control the machine learning or or the deep learning on some manner, uh, and we are doing that by just stabilizing each version, and then putting it in a fixed state that's been validated, uh, and and not allowing it to to automatically refresh itself for each patient that sees.
0: Okay. Um, now, how is this different from? what is already happening, I suppose. How do people find uh, target antigens at the moment and how is your approach different?
1: Well, currently in the past, the main forms of immunotherapy, they have focused on certain specific sets of new antigens. Which means, for example, uh, they have focused on major A1. It's a target that's uh, present on tumor cells or that tends to often be present on tumor cells. So they use that as a target. They train the immune system against that specific target. Of course with the side effect that's in the patient that did not carry that targets the treatment did not succeed so that led to multiple failures in phase three clinical trials due to lack of personalization and there's a clear need to actively find new targets on a personal and a per patient basis um, and it's only become possible in the past decade due to innovations in, in sequencing technology that made them more and more rapid and more and more cheap to use as well, and also innovations in, in the algorithms that are used to go through these data sets. Um, there are other tools out there as well that are able to predict in a per patient manner what's on the surface of these cells, but they are trained and they, they use data sets of lab experiments, uh, which means they have the disadvantage. That they're not actually making associations for for clinical data, uh, they, they make predictions on which targets are present on a tumor cell. Uh, but these are imprecise, since the binding of a targets onto a cell surface molecule does not mean that in that patient, the immune system will actively be able to respond to that target. So there's there's different biological steps that are important when making sure that the target is relevant for treatments. Uh, And MyNeo is is the only one that actually managed to take control of all these steps by integrating different data sets into its algorithms.
0: What would you say is the major application then for your technology? I know you're involved in a couple of other things and I mentioned it in the intro in terms of personalized immunotherapy and target discovery and then diagnosis, prognosis. Uh, Which for you is the the major one or are they all equally important for MyNeo right now?
1: Currently, we're really focusing on allowing this technology to be in the in the clinics so we're, we're actively setting up collaborations that allow patients to be treated in a personalized manner and to allow to personalized uh, to do personalized targets discovery for each patient that's our main focus uh, we are also using because we know it, it has some logistic and some economical disadvantages doing personalization in the clinic So we're also using the technology to find whether there are certain targets that are not per se specific to one patient, but that are actually shared in certain patient populations, and then finding biomarkers to identify those specific populations. So that's one thing we're also doing in oncology. Besides that, our technology itself has also been used in infectious diseases, where we're using targets that are are specific to a virus, for example, and that can be used to also train the immune system against Because the algorithms, when we're looking to train an immune system against a specific cancer cell within the body or against specific virus, the algorithms are well uh, cross-employable.
0: Okay. Looking towards the future then, where do you hope MyNeo will be in about 12 months' time? Because it sounds like you've come a long way already.
1: Yeah. And in the past months, we've done a very progressive uh, hiring schedule, which means we've grown rather rapidly and we want to continue with that into the future. Uh, we do want to keep our focus on active personalization we know that it's important before you start treating a patient to learn more about the patient than what you simply see through a microscope so to really take all the information you can into account so that's what we're actively driving towards. Uh, which means setting up new clinical collaborations and to be able to do that in the clinics but also uh, we have a new investment round coming up which will allow us to do that more hands-on into the clinic ourselves and to actively uh, use or patent the technology to better uh, provide clinical outcome to patients
0: wonderful and how do you feel about these um, machine learning and deep learning applications broadly in the the healthcare sector do you think that's the future is that where we're moving
1: yeah, I think the, the latest results that I've seen from from certain other companies that are doing machine learning in the medical sector, they've been very impressive. Uh, and then in the field, for example, I'm just thinking the field of imaging techniques that have been now being. There's no clinician that's been manually uh, that's been manually inspecting these these pictures, but it's now just a machine learning that actually evaluates whether it's a certain malicious tissue they're looking at or whether something that that's that's not, per se, harmful to the patient. And, and these things have reached precisions that even the best clinicians can't even can't even find them anymore. And there you reach to the point that, obviously, machine learning, they tend to require good input data. And machine learning is only as good as the input data that's been trained on. And having good input data requires manual inspection of a clinician to actually validate if this data or this image is malevolent or this image is not. Um, so we're reaching the point there that there actually that there's there's a plateau in the machine learning algorithms and their precision they can reach. And I think we're almost at that point for certain applications. So I definitely see a positive future uh, involving machine learning and the clinics.
0: Wonderful. Is that um is that a big challenge for you as well, getting that good data in to train your models?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, sadly there are certain aspects towards getting good clinical data that are uh, inherent to, to, to the clinics. For example, the tissue type that we usually prefer to work with is fresh frozen, which means as soon as it gets out of the patient, get it to us as rapidly as possible so we can directly start sequencing. There are certain clinical protocols, for example, formalin and fixing, that tend to harm the tissue a bit, which makes the data more difficult to interpret. Um, I, of course, it's it's data sets that's been... Uh, utilized in the past 20 years. So there are methodologies how to cope with those bad data sets, but it's still something that that could be avoided when when better data would be inputted into the algorithms.
0: And are you deploying your technology in the healthcare sector already?
1: We are. We have been uh, analyzing and evaluating patients' uh, neoantigens in the past. uh, We have ongoing collaborations that lead to clinical trials as well. Uh, for example, on colorectal cancer patients, we're doing a personalized clinical trial with uh, mRNA technology, which means we're creating for each patient a personalized mRNA vaccine, uh, similar to what's being done for COVID, which reached quite a lot of attention in the past uh, past year. Uh, that, that's something that we're doing as well in the clinics and for, uh, for cancer patients.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story of my Neo with me, and thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you, David, for having me. It was uh, very enjoyable and I uh, hope to speak to you soon.
0: If you are an early stage life science company or translational project ready to spin out and you're based in Europe, you can get on the show by going to lifescienceorg.com forward slash bioinnovation. You can get future episodes at life lifescienceorg.com. Thank you all for listening and see you next time.